Hi, I'm Adam Phillips, and I love comics. Sure, I love superhero comics, but I also love comics that are funny, or romantic, or educational, or even kind of filthy. Some have been around for decades, but I have a special place in my heart for the ones that came and went in the blink of an eye. We call them one-shots, and some of them you may have heard of, while others might make you ask, why? This is One-Shot Wonders. Up till now, the solo episodes I've done for One-Shot Wonders have been tightly scripted and researched, and that's the way I plan to do most of them going forward. But today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to talk about a comic that I edited myself, and it's a one-shot called The Adventures of Jell-O Man and Wobbly. But to get to that point in the story, I want to step back a little bit and talk a little about how I got into a position where I could edit such a weird comic. I started out in the comics industry in the 1980s writing for Marvel Age magazine. And after a few months of writing articles about things like Planet Terry and the Sectors, I got hired as an assistant editor there. Fast forward a year and a half and I left Marvel to move to consumer magazines like Video Magazine, which is no longer a thing, but it seemed pretty cool at the time, and I got to do some fun stuff like interview Penn and Teller and write about some pretty obscure movies like The All-Nighter. In 1990, I got hired as an editor at Welsh Publishing Group, Inc. They're no longer around, but at the time, they were a pretty big deal. The company was founded by Don Welsh, who was a former associate publisher with Rolling Stone and had worked on some projects like the Harvard Lampoon People Magazine parody, which, again, pretty big deal at the time. Welsh Publishing Group began when Don Welsh saw his young daughter reading an issue of People Magazine, and she said to him, I wish there were something like this, but for kids. Don took the idea and ran with it and made a deal with Jim Henson Associates to start publishing Muppet Magazine, which was the first of Welsh Publishing's titles. And it was a big hit. It was on newsstands everywhere. Stars wanted to be on the cover of Muppet Magazine, and the, the story at the time was that a lot of stars thought they would be able to get on the Muppet Show if they were on the cover of Muppet Magazine. It didn't really work that way, but they thought it, and it got a lot of great celebrities on that cover. Welsh Publishing Group started expanding pretty quickly into more titles for kids. They were all magazines, they were quarterly, they were offered through Publishers Clearinghouse, and at a, as a quarterly magazine for kids, it was a, probably the cheapest thing available from Publishers Clearinghouse, which meant a lot of people bought subscriptions to it. Before long, Welsh had titles like Barbie Magazine, Mickey Mouse Magazine, The Real Ghostbusters Magazine, DuckTales, there were quite a few. The editorial group included a girls editor who handled titles like Barbie, a kids editor who handled titles like Mickey Mouse, and a boys editor. That would be me. I was hired by Welsh in 1990 to take on some of their titles like DuckTales and The Real Ghostbusters and the new one, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Magazine. The Welsh publishing titles were pretty formulaic. Every issue had a comic book story, a pull-out poster, a prose story, a non-fiction story about somebody or something, 
that would be of interest to somebody who wanted to read uh, a whole magazine dedicated to Garfield. And I got to do some pretty cool stuff while I was there, um, like flying out to the Fox Studios to help pitch Matt Groening and the Fox team on doing a Simpsons magazine and meeting some celebrities and things like that. And working with some great comics people, too. I also edited the Superman and Batman magazine, uh, along with uh, the comics editor from DC, Charles Kochman. I also had to edit some pretty strange titles, like Little League magazine, which is kind of an anathema to me. I barely know which end of the bat to hold. I also edited three magazines that starred serial mascots for General Mills. Those were all puzzles and games. In 1991, Kraft General Foods hired Welsh Publishing Group to produce a comic book based around a character called Agent J-E-L-L-O. He was going to be a James Bond-like super spy who's made of jello and protected the world's supply of jello so all the kids could have some, I guess. It was a little vague, and the character never saw the light of day, probably for the best, although what they did come out with was even stranger because they changed it from Agent J-E-L-L-O to Jell-O Man and Wobbly. Jell-O Man was a figure made up of Jell-O letters. If you remember back in the 1990s, Jell-O Jigglers were kind of a big deal. It was basically use two boxes of Jell-O mix with the water you would use for just one box of Jell-O mix, and you'd get something that could be poured into a mold and would hold its shape better than regular Jell-O would. So kids would make things like letters and stars and shapes like that. So Jell-O Man was made up of the letters J-E-L-L-O, except not for the J, because that was reserved for his sidekick, a dog-like Jell-O creature called Wobbly. Oh, and they had the very cool, popular, in-your-face attitude that uh, was so big in the 1990s. Pretty much everything Jell-O Man said started with the words man or hey man, and Wobbly didn't bark. He said, yeah, 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 all the time. That was pretty much his thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Adventures of Jell-O Man and Wobbly was a giveaway comic that was available through mail order. It was 32 pages with four covers and an insert in the center that was on cover stock of four pages the issue had three stories, all illustrated by Richard Howell. Um, Richard actually <laughs> penciled, inked, lettered, and colored the comic. And he got hired in part because he was a friend and in part because we knew he could turn around the work real quickly. Because, of course, the minute we were hired, we were already late. So we start with a front cover illustrated by Ken Stacy the uh, wonderful Canadian artist who did lots of work for Welsh Publishing Group, lots of illustrations and covers for the real Ghostbusters and for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then inside, the first story is called The Outrageous Origin of Jell-O Man and Wobbly. It is written by Michael J. Pulaski, who has uh, written for Archie Comics and wrote a whole bunch for Welsh. And basically the story is about scientists who are inventing fun ways to package and deliver Jell-O desserts. They also have a sidekick robot called GRB-1, or Grabby-1, I guess. Grabby 
has decided that he's going to get all the jello for himself. This is sort of a running theme through all the stories. He powers himself up through nefarious means by interfering with the machinery that the scientists are working on. He's endangering the supply of jello desserts. No one can stop him from stealing them. And then, out of the blue, from the scientists' various machinery, the letters J-E-L-L-O come to life off a giant sign that um, says Jell-O on it, and out springs Jell-O Man and Wobbly, fully formed, ready to battle crime and stop nefarious robots from stealing Jell-O. So they have Jell-O-like um, attributes. For example, they bounce real high, although for some reason they have to put springs on their feet to do it, but it's at least sort of a Jell-O-like thing. They confront the robot, Grabby One. Jell-O Man rolls his own head at Grabby, knocks him down, breaks the robot into pieces, and Jell-O Man says, poor old Grabby, I guess I'd be all broken up too if I couldn't have my Jell-O. So Jell-O Man may be uh, a little bit cannibalistic at the end of the day. He seems to like eating Jell-O, even though he is made of Jell-O. Hmm. And then at the end, the scientists and Jell-O Man sit down for a big snack of Jell-O pudding, which they keep on hand for just this kind of situation. And the story, the first story, ends with Jell-O Man saying, wherever kids are in danger of losing their Jell-O to uncool dudes, Jell-O Man and Wobbly will be there to help. That's so kind of them. After a one-page break for a word-find puzzle that I created, I usually did the puzzles myself in the Welsh magazines. We come to the second story, Gentleman and Wobbly Inn, The Natural History Mystery. This one is written by Kurt Busick uh, of Astro City fame and Marvel's fame. Still artwork by Richard Howell. And a bunch of kids are on a tour of a natural history museum. But there's trouble in the kitchen because all the jello pudding snacks are gone. And it is how you say almost lunchtime. A telephone rings and... Jell-O Man and Wobbly leap into action. They sort of seem to bat and jump right out of the phone and into um, answering the phone. It's a little odd. They head for the Natural History Museum and are very excited to see the dinosaur displays, but they also realize they've got a job to do, and it could be anyone who did this crime. The Shoveler, Mr. Invisible, The Gobbler. There are plenty of creeps out there with a sweet tooth for creamy, smooth Jell-O pudding snacks. I should be getting paid for this, I think. Jell-O Man puts on his special see-behind glasses, which will enable him to see something coming up from behind him. After a quick break for another puzzle and then the cover insert, it's the Natural History Museum Part 2, and Jell-O Man sees in his glasses that the villain is none other than the Snackosaurus, which is a blue adorable dinosaur who was hiding in the dinosaur display of the museum. And, of course, the dinosaur ha is it's sort of like a T-Rex-looking dinosaur with little scrawny arms that can't hold all the Jell-O cups. And Jell-O Man throws one more to him, and he says, Oh, no, it's too many. House Nacosaurus, hold extra one. Jell-O Man says, Why don't you hold it between your knees? As though he were Jack Nicholson in Five Easy Pieces. Snackosaurus drops all the jello pudding cups, falls down, and seems to be completely defeated by this, and Jell-O-Man 
takes these snacks and hands them out to the class so that they can have them for dessert at their lunch. And everyone's happy. Then, after a couple of pages of activities and advertisements, as though this magazine weren't already all advertisements all the way through, we come to the final story, Jello Man and Wobbly in The Outer Space Case. This is credited to Shana David as the writer, but we know that it was co-written by Peter David with his daughter Shana, who contributed some of the ideas, and he kindly gave her the credit for the story. Jello Man and Wobbly are introducing the kids of the planet Gumongo to great-tasting Jello gelatin. As Wobbly agrees, yeah, 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 yeah. So they're on a faraway planet with no explanation as to how they got there, but that's fine. Right nearby them is the Shoveler hiding behind some bushes, and he is intending to steal the Jello that Jello Man and Wobbly have brought to the Jello to the planet Kumanko. I kind of love the look of the Shoveler. He has little garden shovel hands. The top of his head looks like a bowl, so you can put Jello into it and all, and it won't fall out. His feet are like desk chair wheels, so he rolls around instead of walking. And the kids of the planet Kumongo are very sad because their Jello has disappeared and they don't know where it is. But Jello Man outsmarts the shoveler and figures out that, you know, it, it, he's the one who stole the Jello, chases him through a maze of Jello Jiggler letters. And then the the kids themselves contribute to his downfall because apparently the people of Gu- planet Gumango can take off their heads and throw them, much like Jello Man himself. So the shoveler is buried in a pile of Gumango kid heads and can't escape from that. So we come to the end of the adventures of Jello Man and Wobbly with another ad of how you can uh, order jello jiggler letter cutout shapes and then on the back cover you can get personalized sunglasses from jello pudding snacks that look kind of like the ones that jello man wore in the second story you probably can't get any of this stuff anymore unless you go to a flea market or something but you can find this comic book occasionally at a convention or in your at your favorite comic shop or online probably on ebay they have tons of them Like I said, this was one of the weirder assignments I had at Welsh Publishing Group. I did get to do some other very cool stuff. I um, edited the first couple of issues of Simpsons Illustrated Magazine and worked on the very first Simpsons comic book, Bart Simpsons Comics and Stories. And maybe the highlight was that I got to edit the official souvenir magazine for Woodstock 94 and go to the festival itself at the end which was amazing but yeah there's never going to be something else like the adventures of jello man and wobbly uh, as far as i can tell so thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed it and be sure to check out our other episodes thanks for listening to one shot wonders i'll be back next week with another one shot comic meanwhile hit the subscribe button leave me a review tell your friends Go buy some comics.